see everybody. Welcome to Life Tree. Yeah, all right. I know it's not so good to see me, but it's good to see you. Good to see you. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, we had, I think, I think winter's here. Came back. Came back. It was nice. It was a little bit springish. Um, no, it's good to see everybody. And uh, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to, let's see, where are we going today? You can turn to Ezekiel chapter 37, if you remember. That's where we started last week. We're going to continue with that. As you're turning there, I have something to tell you. You may or may not believe it. It's a very uh, hard piece of information to believe, um, but I promise I'm not lying. I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to lie. Um, but I have a gym membership. I know it may be hard to believe when you look at me, but I actually lift weights periodically. I don't go all the time, but I go. I do go. Um, and so I know, I know. And some of you have gym memberships too, and uh, you don't go, and it's okay. Um, but when you're at the gym, if you're ever at the gym, you can tell the people who go a lot, right? You can tell the people who go a lot. And how do you know that they go a lot? <laughs> the size of their muscles, right? The size of their muscles. Yeah, that was, that was uh, yeah, nope, not me. All right. <laughs> There are people that have arms bigger than my legs at our gym. I go right there, Planet Fitness, right there. It's cheap, and if I don't go, I don't feel guilty. Um, but there are people that are really, really muscular, and you can tell, I mean, they're doing the things and all the things. I'm just like, my goal when I go to the gym is don't get hurt. <laughs> like, don't pull anything. Don't overdo it, right? They got mirrors everywhere. That's terrible. That's a bad idea. Um, but there are people that have muscles on top of their muscles. Right, they can flex their ears. Right, they're like, like you just see some of that. And, you know, they pick things up and they put them down. You know, we've got a few people like that in the room. A few people like that. I won't, I won't single them out, but there are some people like that. You got, you got those muscles. Um, Jim Gaffigan. Anybody know Jim Gaffigan's comedian? Right, he says the most annoying people um, are those people in exceptionally good shape at the gym. And he says it's like, what are you even doing here? You're done. <laughs> like, why are you here? Um, now, not everyone is into working out, and maybe you're like the person who said, when I feel like exercising, I just lay on the couch until the feeling goes away. <laughs> that's it. That's all I got to do. Um, I don't know if you know this, but each of us have more than 600 muscles in our body. And that in? Some of you are like, not me. Not me, I, but 600 muscles in each of our bodies. Muscles move our, the parts of us by contracting and then relaxing. It's the way it works if you're into any of this stuff. I uh, do a little bit of a science lesson here, but muscles can pull bones. That's what they do. They can pull. They can contract, but they cannot push. They can only contract. And so muscles work in pairs, right? You've got flexors and extensors. Right, am I doing right? Anybody good? Any of you fitness people? Yep, you know, okay, here we go. So the flexors, right, they contract to bend a limb to a point. And then when the movement is complete, then the flexor relaxes and the extensor contracts to, to, uh, to extend or straighten the limb back to that same joint. For example, biceps. Everybody do this. Everybody go like this. Raise your arm like this. Okay, when you put your arm up like this, right, in the front of the arm here, this muscle here is the, it pulls. But this can't push your arm back down, it's your tricep. So when you do this, put your arm back out, it's actually your tricep now pulling, this is relaxed. 
So this is pulling, now this is pulling. This is pulling, you see how it works. They work in pairs. It's really interesting, right? That's how, that's how our muscles work. And here's the good news for you. You're kind of working out right now because even when you're sitting still, your muscles throughout your body are constantly working. So we can consider this exercise right now, eh? all right? This is good, this is good, right? You're constantly moving. The muscles in your heart are beating right now. They're contracting your chest, rising and falling. If you're breathing, your muscles are working. All right, that's good, that's good. The blood vessels are regulating your pressure, the flow of blood. There's muscles in there. When you smile, when you talk, you smile. Your muscles just work. That's a workout, you're doing good, right? Um, when you talk, it helps us communicate. When uh, every time we move, anything you do, move your foot, your, your fingers, anything, your muscles are constantly working in pairs. And we've got three different types of muscles. Uh, there are skeletal muscles, which help keep the skeleton together. It keeps things intact, right? And uh, you can control those. Those are things when you flex. Those are skeletal muscles. If you can flex it, that's a skeletal muscle. You can control it. They tire easily. Some of you much easier than others, right? But like, like we, can, we, we, we control those muscles. Then there are things called smooth muscles, uh, right? They're found in things like your intestines and in your stomach. You cannot flex those. You can try, but you cannot flex those, right? You can't control them. You can't do anything like that. But here's the thing, they don't tire easily. They can last for a long time. Like they've got, they can just, because they keep working over and over and over again. And then you've got cardiac muscles. That's like things in your heart, right? That control your heartbeat. Again, you cannot control them. They keep beating, hopefully, um, and they pump blood throughout your body. And again, they can work for a very long time. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes things happen to our muscles. Sometimes, and it compromises their ability to do their job, right? So things like disorders or diseases or injury or lack of use, they <clears throat> um, result in things like pain, spasms, uh, weakness, even paralysis. Many of you at the moment likely have some issue with some muscles in your body at this moment. You're like, yeah, this is, this is weak, this isn't right, not where it's supposed to be, it's not functioning at full capacity. And when you have pain, right, depending on the, the level of pain, you may go to a doctor or you may go to WebMD. Depends on who you are. And what you're trying to figure out is, is this a muscle issue? Is this a bone issue? What's the source of my pain? If it's a muscle issue, what's happened and how do I fix it? How do I make pain go away? Or how do I strengthen it? Or how do I do all this stuff, right? Like there's, all, there's a whole a lot of people that study muscles. There's a whole field. All, you know, people study muscles, they, they repair, how to strengthen them, all sorts of stuff. Um, it's a whole a lot of money in muscles, because all of us have them. So, last week, we examined the vision that God gave to Ezekiel, if you remember, and it was given during a time of exile, right? So the people of Israel are not living in their home. They've been exiled to Babylon, so they're now captives. And uh, God gives him, the people are losing hope, right? They're, they're like 30 years or so into this captivity. They're losing hope that they're ever gonna go back to their homeland. They're kind of despairing. They're like, oh, things are terrible. We're, we're, we're of no hope, and God gives this man Ezekiel a vision of a valley of bones. Remember this, a valley of like dead bones. And he asks the question, can these bones live again? And the goal was to awaken people to the power of God that God can do anything. 
Right? That was the goal of this. And we applied that to the relationships in our lives. That there are relationships that feel like valleys of dead bones. It's like that one, I don't know. And the, what we learned last week is that there are relationships in our lives that we have given up on that God hasn't. And that God will say, hey, this relationship here, I want to breathe new life into that relationship. That relationship, the love there can live again. That he is the God who revives what's dead. And the first step in that process was alignment. We talked about that the bones, when, when they started moving, the first thing that happened is those bones lined up. And that is when we put God first and say, God, I believe you can. When we establish the power of God, we are aligning ourselves and saying, personally, I'm aligning. God is the head. We're getting in order. The skeleton is coming together. And when we take a step of faith and believe God, we speak to the relationships in our life. And God then aligns us. But that's just step one. That was just part one. That's not enough. There's still just a bunch of skeletons. It's still just Halloween, right? That wasn't enough on its own. So as Ezekiel watched now, the bones line up. Now today we're going to look at what happened next. What happens next? All right, so let's read it. We're going to pick Ezekiel chapter 37. Pick it up in verse 7. And this is what it says. So I spoke this message just as he told me, and suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. Next verse. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. That's what we read last week. Now, verse 8. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones, then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. So the second step here, first is bones, Second step of God's reviving work is to connect new muscles. That's what he's doing. He's creating muscles now, recreating muscles. Bones can't stay together without muscles, right? They can't move without muscles. It's what keeps us together. And here's the point. God wants to now begin to make us in relationship because they come in twos. <laughs> muscles work together in twos. There's this putting together of relationship around the bone. Yes, the bones align, and now God is, but now the muscles have to come, and you can't do it on your own. It, there's no movement on your own. You can only make it go like this, and then you're stuck for good. Like, you can't, you can't put it back down again unless there's somebody else there. There's got to be twos. I'm telling you, isn't it cool how God designed the human body to reflect so much of the principles of life? It's just, you can't make this stuff up, because it's just, it's science, but it's cool. It's, it's right there. See, here's the thing. God wants to now restore our relationships. Once we have lordship, now God says, now I want to begin to reconnect some of those relational things in your life. And God seeks first to connect us to himself, then to others. Restore the relationship. The heart of God has always been to be in relationship with us, to be connected. It's not just enough to know God is, is Lord. He wants us to know him. He doesn't just want us to know mentally. He wants us to be in relationship. It's not enough to have alignment to say, I'm in order. Yes, you're in order, but you still can't move because there's no connectivity. There's no relationship here. God says, I want to know you. Our relationships with others, especially the dead and broken ones that we're talking about, the ones that I've said, hey, if there's a relationship in your life that's broken, it's causing you pain right now, you don't think there's any hope for it. Think about that relationship. That one has no chance of coming back to life 
if your relationship with God does not come back first. Alignment. God is the head. He comes first. When the relationship with God, when our relationship with God is off, every other relationship in our life suffers. There's no way around it. If you and God are not where you need to be, every other relationship in your life suffers. He has to come first. You can only be at your best as a spouse, right? As a, as a parent, as a child, a boss, a friend, whatever you are, whatever relationship you find yourself in, you can only be at your best if your relationship with God is where it's supposed to be. If it is not, then you have bones that are lacking muscles. You're just a bunch of dead bones. You may be in order, but you're not moving. So God says, the second thing I want to do now, once we align, now I want to reconnect you. I want to reconnect those things. I'm going to create new muscles. Jesus uses the word remaining to address this idea of connection. We can find this in John uh, chapter 15, verse 9. He says, Jesus is saying this, and he says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. So remain in my love. Remain connected in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments, and remain in his love. I have told you these things so you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. See, the key to life-giving, healthy relationships is connectivity with God. As we remain, in, as we are connected, as we have that muscle connection with God, as we're in relationship with God, it allows us to do everything else. If you are connected to God, you have love. Everything else flows from that. If we are disconnected from Jesus, then we're not living in love. We're not experiencing the kind of love that we need to love the people around us. You can't do it. You can't love people exclusive of God. The key to reviving the relationships in your life start and end with being in right relationship with God. It was St. Augustine who said, you have made us for yourself, Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. God first. God first. Think of it like this. Our relationship with God is the cardiac muscular system. It's the blood pumping. You want to know, guess what? You can, you can damage your skeletal muscle. You can have a sore arm, and you can be okay. But if your heart goes, you got nothing. The cardiac system is God. If this relationship here is right, that keeps blood flowing from here to all our other parts, it's first, above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows the springs of life. Everything you do flows out of your heart. That's the cardiac system. That's the relationship with God. The relationship with others, that's the skeletal muscular system. That's what helps us move. And here's something really crazy. It's, it's absolutely, like, bizarre. I've, I've shared it before, but you probably don't remember. Um, it was two doctors, uh, uh, Ron Hawkins and Dr. Tim Clinton, and they said this. It's a stunning fact that even with a perfect relationship with God, something was missing. Go back to the beginning. God gives Adam everything in Eden. They have a perfect relationship. God and Adam, perfect. And yet, something was lacking. God says it's not good for man to be alone. Adam had God. What more did he need? See, we're designed 
We're designed to be in community. That's something that God has created in us, that we need each other. It's not good to be stuck like this. No. We need, I mean, some people walk around like this just all the time. They just, they can't say, you know. But God says that's not good. We're designed to thrive in community. Sometimes you got to put your arms down. Just like our bodies. Just like our bodies, our relationships can suffer from injury, from from pain, from disease, from weakness. It affects our ability to connect. And that's what happens, right? It may be an injury. Maybe, maybe somebody hurt you. I know I'm talking about just physically. But they did something to cause you pain, and now there's a disconnect. There's a distrust. The relationship, that relational muscle has been affected because something was done. It may be disease. It may be that you allowed some bitterness, some resentment to grow over time some hurt to fester, and now the muscles have grown unhealthy because you've allowed things just to to affect those muscles over time. You have not addressed it. It may be weakness due to lack of use, neglect. When we don't attend to our relationships, when we don't try, when we don't invest in them, when we don't maintain them, they atrophy. Muscles die if they're not used. Our connections aren't automatic. They required daily attention a few weeks ago in our, last weekend I think it was, in our marriage couples conference here. The couples conference we did here, the, 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 the counselor had some plants on stage. She said this, these plants get dramatic if we don't water them. They start to droop. What's the, what's the plant? What kind was that? A peace lily. That it's, she said it gets dramatic. It just, and I have one in the office, and it does it. You walk in, and it's like, oh. you put some water in, and by the end of the day, it's all good and happy, like, That's our relationships. If we don't attend to them, they get dramatic. They get weak. See, what the enemy wants to get us, what he does is he attacks our relationships. And he seeks to isolate us first from God and also from others. Because those people are meant to be sources of strength and joy and hope and encouragement. One of the greatest obstacles now to letting God reconnect us to those with whom we have broken relationships. You know what it is? What's the number one thing that stops us from having a relationship with God? I mean, with others, restoring those relationships? It's fear. It's fear of being hurt again. It's fear of that pain. In his incredible book, uh, Playing God, Redeeming the Gift of Power, uh, and we'll put this on the, uh, we'll put this on uh, with the lumber yard. There you go, Kim. That's our good, our good idea, the lumberyard. It's where we put all my book rec- references. Um, redeeming the gift of power, author Andy Crouch talks about how humans have more power and authority than any other creature. And he says this, he makes this observation, the unsettling truth is just as hum- human beings have more authority than any other creature, we also have more vulnerability than any other creature. And he goes on to state that vulnerability at its root means woundable see sometimes what holds us back from truly trusting God to restore those dead relationships in our lives is the fear of being wounded again we know what the pain feels like we know what it's been like and we'd rather live with the pain as it is than open up to more hurt I'd rather just they've hurt me enough no more I'll cut it off here I'll live with this amount of brokenness in my life 
because I don't want to open myself up to more pain. I'd rather just walk with a limp than actually address that again. I want to pause and make sure that you understand we're not talking about returning to abusive situations. Remember, we said that there are some relationships that need to stay dead. This isn't about every relationship in your life. This is about understanding when God prompts us to say, hey, I want to restore that relationship. We go, okay, God, I will pray for that one. Not all relationships. So I just want to make sure we understand in that framework, right, there's some qualifications here. But if we're honest, we live in tension because we want things to be better in our relationships, but we don't want to go through any more pain. Uh, I'm just, can I just tell you, I hate preaching sometimes. Because, like, whatever I say to you, it's like I have the finger of God coming back at me. And God has been putting his, just like pointing out things in my life. And, like, I, I don't like saying these things. So just so you know, it's not like I'm just giving it to you and I'm going home being like, yeah, it was great. It was easy. Just throw it out at them. And all my relationships are good. I got just the same amount of stuff in my life. God has designed us to flourish in relationship. And if he's telling us that we need to speak to the relationship and trust him for it, then that must mean that there's still good in that relationship that he has for us. But boy, can you feel the tension? Because I do big time. Because I do not, I do not want that relationship to come back to life because I'm still angry about it. And I'm still upset at them. I'm still frustrated and I'm still, I'm still wounded. It's a wrestling match. We need people and people can hurt us and we're stuck in that tension. Again, doctors Hawkins and Clinton said this, deep in the heart of every person are two conflicting desires, one to be free and two to be connected. There's this, there's this war going on. We want to be free of pain, yet we know we need relationship. And if we're not careful the decision not to seek restoration, to leave it as it is, can lead us to isolation. I read a very sobering quote from a man named Charles Bukowski. He was a writer noted for having a wreck of a life, terrible relationships, lots of them. And he said this, when nobody wakes you up in the morning, and when nobody, nobody waits for you at night, and when you can do whatever you want, what do you call it? Is that freedom loneliness many in our world are choosing loneliness over vulnerability and you can call it freedom but it's just a disguise for fear that's all it is because they don't know or trust in the God who brings dead things back to life so how do we fix it since we know what God is telling us it's time for, since it's time to say, God's saying, hey, wake up. There are relationships in your life that are crippling you, and it's time to address some of those and breathe new life and speak to those and say, can they live again? Only you know, God. But if you say so and you say there's good, I will attempt it. How do we wade into that? What do we do? Again, those doctors, Hawkins and Clinton, it's a great book. I can recommend that one too. It says this, we are broken in relationships, and we are healed in relationships. The antidote to trauma and brokenness is healthy, restored relationship. Oh, isn't that scary? 
Isn't that terrible? Like, come on, God, couldn't you just like snap your fingers and fix it? But the only way to restore relationship is through a God-transformed relationship. God seeks to revive the connections that however they got there, whether it was your fault or somebody else's fault or the universe's fault, that are now causing us pain and limiting our ability to love anyone. God says, I want to speak to those. It's time. It's time. You can't just sit there and, and deal with it and just let it go. It's time to address it. God seeks to revive those connections. And if we go back to that John passage, Jesus says something that gives us some direction here. Because do you want to be the loving? Do you want to be somebody who can love well? Do you really want to be people who love well? John 15, Jesus says this, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. We find it again in 1 John 3.16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. There's a theme here, giving up your life. And I think we can maybe rephrase that a little bit about giving up your life. Like, what does that actually mean? He's not talking about only dying. Faith in action here looks like the choice to be woundable. The choice to be vulnerable. The way of Jesus is to say, even though you can hurt me, I'm going to lay my life down because that's love. Love goes first. And says, I will fight for this even if you won't. And again, we've got to trust that if God is prompting us to believe for life in that relationship again, then there's some good in that. There's a greater good in that that we can't see from here. And we have to present our hearts as an offering. We have to believe it. It would be good for us, and it would be good for those that were in relationship. That's love. Love means you go first. Love means we will not close our heart to those that God tells us to open them to. Now, I know we don't talk about Bruno, but it's time to address the relational pain in our life, to say, okay, I know I haven't talked about this. I know I just pretend like I'm fine. I just ignore it. And nobody knows that I really struggle with that person. It's just sort of in the peripheral. And it's time to talk about it. It's time to do something about it. We can't allow it to linger. It's crippling our ability to be the loving people God has called us to be. Our world right now needs the church, needs the people of God to truly be loving not just to walk around crippled because we don't want to deal with stuff that's in our lives because we're afraid. If God says, speak to the bones, we speak to the bones. And if he says, speak to the muscles, we've got to do it. God, give us a chance. Help us. And we need to give God the opportunity to change people because that's what he does. We won't change them. But our openness to this gives God a chance to change people. He's literally in the business of changing people. If you can change, so can they. So, speak to the connection. Specifically, ask God to restore the relationship that you have. Ask God to reconnect you. And here's what's going to happen. Muscles are going to start to form. 
It may be a phone call. It may be a text. It may be a small conversation. I don't know what it's going to look like. It may start small, but it will happen. God can do it. You will begin to reestablish a connection. And everything inside you may want to keep the wall up. But if God says speak to it, we, we have got to do the part to say, God, I don't want to get in the way of what you want to do. Oh, it's a whole lot of submission, a submitting of our will. But let me tell you, that's where faith takes leaps and bounds forward. And I want to share something, a very, very practical, a very practical application, something that may be helpful for you. It may not be for everybody, but it's something I've found to be helpful in my life, in the relationships in my life where I find there to be damage, where there's some sort of injury, where there's something that's happened and there's been some, some, something done to the relationship and there's something out of line. Again, it's a conversation tool, really. How do we talk about it? And it comes from another book because I just live in a world of books, and I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Um, it's a book called Fierce Conversations. I've talked about it lots of times. I've shared this with many of you, and the application today, I'm going to kind of tweak it for this, and it goes like this. It's just a very simple process for practical. One is like that will submitting the will, but here's some tangible tool, a tool thing for you to put in the box. Here it goes. Number one, name the issue. Identify the primary point of pain. When you think about that person, what's really the issue? Was it what they said? Or was it deeper than that? Was it the fact that you felt disrespected? Or was it deeper? Was it that you felt hurt? Was it that you felt like they didn't love you well? Name it. Because what happens is those experiences happen and we know we didn't like it and we shut off, but we don't actually process it. We don't name it. So we don't even know how, if, we, if they wanted to ask us what was wrong, we don't even know how to tell them. We have not identified it. I'm telling you, one of the most important things we can do as people is when we have pain, you have a doctor, what do you do? You say, can you identify the source? Tell me what muscle hurts it's somewhere in this arm it's this one name it pinpoint it we need to name what went wrong then once we've done that we come up with one example identify one time when that was really on display here's the thing don't keep a scoreboard and list all the hundreds of times oh i got let one just one this is what happened. Here's one example of it, just that you're clear in your mind. And then here it comes, ready? Identify your prevailing emotion. How does that make you feel? And we're not getting deep into feelings here, but you need again to name it. Are you frustrated? Are you angry? Are you confused? Are you hurt? Are you afraid? Name it. With what happens, what's the prevailing emotion? There are lots of things, and they can, they can all be in the soup, but there's one that stands out. Name it. What is that prevailing emotion? Just one. Next, clarify what's at stake. What has changed because of it? Because of that experience, what's changed? 
What is it affecting? Again, name it, identify it. Because of that, I can't trust you again. Or because of that, I don't want to be around you. Or because of that, dot, 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 you name it, but clarify what's at stake. What won't change until it's addressed? Here's what's at stake. I can't move forward in my life because of this. It's affecting my ability to do all those other things. Name it. What is at stake? Now, here comes the fun one. You ready? Own your contribution. <laughs> what do you need to repent of? Oh, I didn't do anything. It was all them. I, uh, it was nothing. Nothing. I did nothing. I did absolutely nothing. I was totally fine. All on them. Wrong answer. You get an X. Right? Own, own it. We have to be honest. We've got to do some self-searching. Because the reality is people often respond to us too and we've got to take ownership for what we've done. What do you need to confess? What do you need to say? This was my part in that. This was my part. I own that. I'm sorry. That wasn't right of me. And then, two left. One, state what you want. What you desire. What does your heart want? Here's what I want. To be honest, here's what I want. I want us to be good again. I want us to be in relationship. I want to trust you again. I want to trust you. I want to feel like you love me again. I want to, I want to be in a good relationship with you. I want to be encouraging. I want us to be friends. I want us to be tight again. I want, whatever. You name it. What do you want? Define it. Clarify. What are you hoping for? Again, perfect world. Say it. What are you hoping for? And then here's the last one. The very last one. And you listen. Just listen. If you walked up to that person and you said all these things, you said, hey, I want to talk about this thing. I'm going to name it. I want to talk about this thing. Here's one example. It makes me feel really hurt. And it's affecting my ability to move forward. And I admit that I've done this and this and this. It's not just you. But what I really want is for us to be able to move forward. What do you have to say? And what you do at that point is you shut up. <laughs> and you listen. Because love goes first. And then you listen. And you let them talk. And let me tell you, I have had this kind of conversation with so many people. And it's amazing how many times they thank me for going first. And it's like, man... If you knew how hard that was, <laughs> how much I wrestled, that's what love does. It goes first. It goes first. It rebuilds that connection. So, again, we've got to be open to that. You don't have to do that. It's just a tool. It's an approach to how to talk about some things that are hard to talk about. I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to pray here in a moment. Because I'm sure that each of us has relational pain in our life somewhere. And I feel like God is telling us that it's time to face it. To speak life to it. And to allow God to transform it. It's time to lay down our lives for those we should be in relationship. No greater love than to go first. Than to be woundable. Than to say, 
this has hurt before. But I love, because God has loved me and I love you so much, not willing to let this persist. Let me ask you, what would your life look like if that one relationship that you're thinking of, that one you don't even want to think of, you don't even want to picture their face, but what if that one relationship went from being your greatest source of pain to your greatest source of joy? What if it became a source of love, a source of strength in your life? What if it became life-giving? How would your life be different if that relationship was actually beneficial and a blessing to you? Because that's precisely what God wants to do. God says, hey, I got one question for you. Can that live again? Because when God says live he means it's going to be good. There's going to be blessing in it. So we're going to pray and invite God to do just that. So right where you are, just take a moment and let's pray. Heavenly Father, you see us. You know us. You know the complexity of all our relationships. Lord, you're the great physician and you understand where our muscles have been damaged, where the relationships in our lives have suffered. You know the cause. You understand it better than we do. So God, I ask you first, we believe that you have told us that it's time to restore relationships. That you want to breathe new life into them. So God, today, we acknowledge that you can do whatever you say. There's nothing that you can't do. There's no relationship too far gone that you cannot mend. It may be dead in a valley of bones, but you say, speak to it. So we align ourselves. We, we say, God, we believe. And the bones rattle. They line up. And now, God, we ask you and invite you to restore relationship. To put on new muscle. To recreate that in our lives. And God, we confess that we have done wrongs Lord, we repent and right where you are just just in your own way just confess right now to God the thing that you have done or the things you have done in that one relationship God I confess this and perhaps you're not sure say God help me identify what it is that I've done God would you help us live in truth take away the blinders Lord, help us to have clarity through the emotion. Let us be able to identify what it is that has broken and harmed our relationships. And God, we ask you to restore those relationships, Lord. In this week ahead, perhaps even today, you've begun it already, Lord. Give us the courage and the faith to trust you to at least ask for you to restore relationship. We may do it through gritted teeth, but Lord, let us ask. God, would you restore the relationship? So right where you are, invite God to restore that relationship. To begin to reconnect 
find new muscle forming, new connections. Not going back to the way it was, but something altogether new. God, would you do that? So just take a moment right now. God, this feels hard, but you do the hard work. You rebuild. You do the impossible. The hardest work we have is trusting you, submitting our pride to you, laying down our ego, our fear, and saying, God, if you want to speak life into these relationships, we trust you. Lord, this is where faith becomes alive. Lord, I ask you to awaken that faith in us. I thank you for how good you are. I thank you for the hope that comes with a God who can do the impossible. There are no hopeless people or places in our life. You can speak to every part. Lord, increase our faith. Help us to believe you for that. We thank you. We commit it to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand. We're going to close. The ushers are going to come. Now, next week, I want to tell you, you don't want to miss next week. Next week is the conclusion of this. We did bones. We did muscles. And next week, God says, I put breath in the bodies. We're going to talk about what that looks like. So I encourage you to come back next week and hear that. But we're going to close with a song. So as the ushers come, they're going to prepare us to receive our tithes and offerings. I'm just going to be praying for you all week long. I'm going to ask you to pray for me too. But let's be people who trust that God can do this in our lives. And I do look forward to hearing testimonies one week from today. And you say, you know, it was small, but there was a reconnection made here. It wasn't huge, it wasn't life-changing, but something happened in our relationship. So I'm going to encourage you, be quick to share those stories in the week to come.